Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Father, you are here. We are here. May we be here together now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, St. Mikey's. Why do people go to church? Why do people attend church services? At least these days. I was actually kind of curious about this. I wanted to see what are some of the modern reasons why people, people like yourselves, actually show up to a church service on a Sunday. So I did some digging around and read some semi-recent surveys done in the U.S. Now the first study was conducted in December of 2017 by Pew Research Center and they define a regular attender as one who attends a church service at least once a month. So if you show up, or now, I'm assuming due to the pandemic, tune in on YouTube at least 12 times a year for an hour and 15 minutes, you are considered a regular attender. So this is one of your 12 of the year. The top reason why people attend was actually quite surprising to me. 81% of people regularly attending church services stated that a quote-unquote very important reason for doing so was, survey says, to become closer to God. To become closer to God. I was pleasantly surprised by that because deepening friendship with Jesus, cultivating intimacy with the Father, growing in relationship with the Holy Spirit is for me a, a high value. And I attempt to invite others into that reality, both as a follower of Jesus and definitely as a priest. Now, to keep this study in context, if you don't find yourself as one of those 81%, maybe you're this. 69% said so that their children would have a moral foundation. Okay, 68% said to make me a better person. I don't know what they meant by that, but... 16% said that. Uh, 66% said comfort in times of trouble or sorrow. And which I thought was great was the lowest reasons were obligatory in nature. I go because I feel a religious obligation. That was only 37%. Or I go to please my spouse. That was only 16%. So if your husband or wife or partner, they're not going to go to church for you for too long. That's not a big reason why people go to church now. This is good. In my opinion, it was good. It means that American Christianity, according to the survey, has bought into the relationship over religious obligation thing. However, the survey caused me to ask more questions about that 81%. What is it about church services that helps the 81%? become closer to God. What is it? What are the elements in a church service? So I did more reading. I looked at another survey done by Gallup in the spring of the same year. 
They define regular attender in the same manner, but their findings are a little different. The two most major factors on why one attends a church service in America are actually both related to the same thing. You know what it is? Sermons. How do you feel about that, Emily Vick? Sermons. 76% said their major factor was sermons that teach them about the Bible. 75% said sermons that help connect spirituality to their everyday life. Now, to keep that in context, if that's not you, if you're not a sermonator type of person, 64% was youth and children ministry, 59% was outreach and volunteer opportunities, and the lowest, this surprised me, 38% was choir, praise band, or music. Now, choir, where are you? Anyway, <laughs> I guess they're not part of the 38% either. I only saw a head back there. You are a major factor to me. You are, but maybe not to the 745ers like I told them. Now, I didn't like this survey as much. Is this what the 80% meant in the other survey? That they attend a church service 12 times a year or more to hear a sermon that will help them become closer to God because for those who preach, I can't speak for two people here, uh, that's a lot of pressure on me. That someone's intimacy with Jesus is contingent upon what comes out of my mouth for 15 minutes on any given Sunday. That seems like quite a large investment in a sermon. Now I understand that statistics and surveys are representative in nature. They're not exhaustive. I can't go and ask every single person who took the survey more probing and enabling questions to find out maybe what exactly it is that they meant to satisfy my curiosity. The only people I can actually ask are the people that are sitting on a pew looking at me on any given Sunday. And that's you. So why do you go to church? Why do you attend church services? Why do you come here? What is the very important reason for you? What are your major factors? Why do you get up on Sunday mornings? Iron the clothes if you're still doing that or if you've graduated into just throwing it in the dryer on fluff to get the wrinkles out and maybe the smell because you didn't wash it in a week. Why, why do that? And, or if you have kids, why chase them around the house to get dressed or ask them 75 times if they've gone potty only for them to urinate on themselves in the minivan so then you got to go to the church restrooms to change them and hopefully the spouse put the extra clothes in the book bag before you drop them off at church school. But why do that? Or get into the yelling match with your partner or spouse on the way over because they made you late again and you hate that because you like to be on time. Or you're still angry at them for what they did to you last night. You didn't talk about it. You didn't resolve that issue. You went to bed on the issue. Why deal with all that? And come on. You've been around churches long enough. You know church people aren't always so welcoming, always so nice or authentic or spiritually deep. Now, obviously I'm not talking about St. Michael's because we have the secret code and formula. We have it all together. Why? Why do all that? Why do all that? Why deal with all that? Because you might hear a sermon that might assist you get closer to God? 
Maybe. Let me tell you something about sermons. They are completely unpredictable. One person under the sound of my voice could be keeling over, giving their life to Jesus, having some sort of -of out-of-body, mystical, divine experience, while another person is sleeping or looking at their phone or watch because maybe the sermon is going too long or they're not feeling it or it's going over their head or it's not keeping their attention. That's what sermons are. They're they're an anomaly. You never know what's going to happen with these things. So there has to be more to this church thing than just sermons, or if you're not in that 81 percentile, than just children and youth programs for moral foundation or to make you a better person with volunteer opportunities, I guess that's what they mean, or even comfort in times of trouble to help you feel better about your situation or even a wicked pipe organ if you're in the 38 percentile. All that stuff is good. Do not hear what I'm not saying. It's part of the package. But is there more to this church thing than that? You know, I noticed on both of these surveys, out of the thousands of people they surveyed, there was not one mention, not one, no one, not even in the other category. What's something else? No one. This was no one's very important reason, no one's major factor for attending a church service. No one said worship. No one. And you know, that is the first thing we say when we begin our church service. What do we say? Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be His kingdom now and forever. And that's the first thing that Paul says in his letter to the church in Ephesus. He says, blessed be God. What are we saying? What are we saying? We're saying, God, you are worthy of praise. You are adorable. You are worthy of adoration. You are worthy to receive honor and glory because you are significant, you are important, you are beautiful, you are grand, you are full of wonder. You are worthy for us to bend the knees of our hearts to you, to stretch forth our hands in the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. You are worthy of our worship. Blessed be God. And we do that because God is a narcissist. We do that because God, when he's getting his custom suits tailored and he's looking at his butt in the mirror, he likes to hear us say nice things about him. That's not why we do that. Because he doesn't need anything from us. We do it because, as Paul says, because he blessed us. Now, we use that word usually in a different way. Most of us equate blessing with tangible things, like financial, relational, familial, or physical well-being. We say we're blessed in those areas. And if we're not, if we don't have those things, we say we're not blessed in that particular area. But that's not what Paul is talking about. He says every, that means God didn't withhold anything from you, spiritual blessing. Holy Spirit empowered and delivered what? Gifts. 
that God lavished his immeasurable, incalculable, inestimable, free gift of love upon us. He poured it out all over us. Every last drop. Didn't hold anything back. That God did something for us. That God did something to us. That God did something in us. That God gave us a new identity, a new purpose, a new meaning for our life and existence. That God, in His gracious love and will and pleasure, has invited us into something beyond our comprehension to participate together with Him in His mega drama of salvation of the entire universe. You want to know what? This is an aside, because Father Rick and I were jiving about this as I was sipping coffee in the kitchen. The actual act of corporate worship does something cosmic in the atmosphere. It's actually part of God's salvation and restoration of all things. Actually showing up with the kid that peed upon himself actually has an effect on the universe. But I don't have 45 minutes to unpack that, so look it up. We have an integral part to play in this. We are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. Paul, in a single breath, provides the whole reason why we bless God, why we worship God, not only on a church service with our lips, maybe 12 plus times a year, but in every aspect and element of our life. Our entire life becomes worship in response to what God has done for us and in us, in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And the cool thing is, I don't have to unpack all of this in a 15-minute sermon that might actually or might not contribute to you getting closer to God. Because we just launched a sermon series that's going to go on till like August 22nd. This is just an introduction. And we're going to journey through what God has done, what God has given us, what God has invited us into in Christ over the next several weeks. And we're going to attempt to unpack something that I don't fully understand. Because it is beyond our comprehension. What it means to be a part of God's special people. What it means to be chosen and destined for this greatness what it means to be a part of his beloved adopted children, that we're not alone and abandoned in the world, that we're part of a family, a new humanity, the mystical body of Christ, what it means to have been once dead in our trespasses and sins, but now set free from sin and death and made alive again in Jesus Christ, what it means to be sealed and marked as Christ's own forever by the Holy Spirit, to have been given an inheritance and to actually dwell in Christ in another dimension, in the heavenly realms, seated next to the Father. Whether you're here in this worship service or you're at McDonald's, that doesn't change. All of that, what it means not to just attend a church service, as important as it is, but to be the church. To be it. To embrace our true identity in Christ. To be holy, set apart, to be blameless before him in love and to live this out in the world. And you know what? I really do pray these sermons actually help you become closer to God. Of course I want that. I definitely want that. And not only that, because you realize how individualistic that is? Because there's really no mention about the body. 
We come to commune with God, as somebody said to me this morning, and I'll add, with one another. I pray that this makes you closer to one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, because you share the same spiritual DNA or something so much more. But all the sermons in the world will only do so much because God has to do something in you and God has to do something in me, something beyond our ability or my ability to talk. And that's why Paul prays this prayer right after this passage, which is an introduction to everything he will unpack in the letter to the church in Ephesus. He prays this. And I pray that this is our prayer. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I love this. As you come to know him intimately, to know the one who has known you before the foundation of the world. I love that. So that with the eyes of your heart, they're enlightened. That you may know. Paul wants, he, he wants them to get this. That you will get this in you. What is the hope to which he has called you? What is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? I pray that for us during our journey through the Ephesians. Amen. I invite you in a brief moment of silence. Ask yourself, why, why do you come here? Why do you show up? And if you're open to maybe more, if you're open for God to do a work in your very heart and being as we journey through this letter, as God seeks to pour and lavish upon us his love that we cannot buy, we cannot purchase, we cannot earn, we cannot change, and we cannot lose. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.